0: Y'all ready? All right. Let's do this. It is August 20th, 2023. You know what that means? It's third Sunday. Yeah. So we have a fellowship meal after the service. We have a bonus session. And uh, we're going to look and learn about more surprising life for God's people. So stick around. We're going to have some good times after the service. Uh, Other things. There are some donuts over there, little donuts, but there's donuts over there. I don't know who brought those, but thank you, whoever brought the donuts. Rachel? Oh, thank you. Cool. And I think there's some, some candies up there, too. Do I see that? Wendy, thank you for the candies. So we've got like super healthy breakfast back there appreciate that oh if you want something healthier to eat for breakfast uh, Charlene's been growing peppers in her garden and we have banana peppers out in the hallway I can't read lips very well Sorry. oh and jalapenos sorry There's. Uh, you may not want them for breakfast but um, we have a bunch of banana peppers and jalapenos you can pick up and take home I think that's any other things. Uh, One prayer request is for Tom's sister, Joe, who uh, her cancer has reoccurred. And so she's looking at chemo and surgery. And so if you guys would just be praying for Joe and uh, for all that to go well and for the Lord's hand to be on her as she deals with that. And uh, let's... Let's pray for the service and get started. Father, thanks for being here with us this morning. Thanks for gathering these people here. Look forward to the meal together. We look forward to your word, to hearing uh, what you prepared for us through the sermon, through the bonus session. Father, we look forward to the fellowship. Look forward to your spirit. Being here with us, and the surprising things that you're doing in our lives, and uh, we lift up all the prayer requests that are here in our group. The one that I mentioned for Tom's sister, Joe, Father. There's more that uh, haven't been mentioned that we know are going on in our little congregation here. But L- lots of prayer requests, lots of things that people need or are dealing with in our lives physical emotional spiritual we lift them all up to you lord and just pray for you to be at work in their lives to be drawing people to you through all the things that are happening and uh, for your hand to be on all of them father i pray for the service that you would be glorified here through everything that happens this morning i pray these things in your son's name amen
1: Trust the year. Position heals the sick, the lost he came to save. For me, his precious blood was spilled. For me, his life he gave.
2: When darkness seems to end Where are
3: you now when the world
4: 1,000 songs to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace, the a song Yes, His blood can make the foulest clean, His blood availed for me. He speaks and listening to His voice, new life, the dead. Saints be
3: There's no distance.
5: this is going to be interesting today. I hope you're ready for this. We are living in a dimensional world, multi-dimensional. You know about three dimensions. You've seen some two-dimensional things, uh, paper, TV, those kind of things. You you have experienced uh, all of those all your life. And the th- dimensional reality that goes beyond that is the spiritual reality of the living God who created all of this and set this all up, and then what happens to us as those who follow Christ, as those who uh, exist in this world, and then what happens to us after? It's a big question for all of us, what happens after this life, and how does this life fit into all, all of the other things that are going on around us? And it may not be something we think about often because we're tied up with responsibilities and activities and entertainment and conversations and just keeping life going. And yet, when you get down to that final breath, this is really something that matters to everybody. And so let's see. Dimensional living. How do we interdimensional living? That's what we're going to look at. There is a group of folks who interpret Scripture, and they look at the Old Testament, and they say, you know all that stuff about eternal life and life after death, that's really more of a New Testament thing, not an Old Testament thing. Really nothing much uh, included there, and which isn't true. However... Uh, they hold to that because it, people like to limit this dimensional idea that there is anything else, else out there. That there is a God out there. That the that the human spirit, which is who we really are, and we're just housed in a physical body for the time being, is uh, no. We're just chemicals and just uh, with a little electricity to keep us going. And then when the electricity fades, that's it. We're just chemicals and not so much but we're going to take a look we're going to go take a look at the scriptures, see where we, where we uh where we can find more about this there is more life after death and this is from the book of job which is uh reported as the oldest book in the old testament you think genesis is because it's listed first but uh not so much So Job is reflecting on who God is. There's a whole spiritual battle going on. Talk about dimensional living. That whole book is dealing with it. So here we are, Job 19. But as for me, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself, yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought, so here his body 's going to decay, and yet in his body he 's going to see God. see any problem there he 's talking about this spiritual body, this body that continues that isn 't affected by decay, and we pick that up in first Corinthians fifteen You get a whole whole massive amount of information on that from Paul later, but this is Job. This is early on. So this concept of life after death, is yeah, it's been around. We are dealing with something that says, God, and, and Job is saying hey, I'm going to see God. Okay, he's a spiritual being, he's invisible, but I'm going to see him. And I know my Redeemer lives. And you go, but yeah, we sing songs about Redeemer. I can do my, my yearly read through the Bible, and I read Redeemer and Job, and I think he's talking about New Testament. No. He had no idea the New Testament wasn't written. The Old Testament wasn't written. He knows about his Redeemer. How does that happen? Because there's a dimension, and God is communicating, and he has communicated to Job, and Job is listening, and he's putting these things together. And fortunately, he did, because now we have record of it. And we can look back and say, wow, thousands of years ago, human beings knew this is the case. This is what's happening. So finding out about life after death in in research, and this, this is a fun part. We were earlier talking to Jane about Oklahoma State, but one of the things that, I was in philosophy, I have a degree in philosophy from Oklahoma State, which is the do you want fries with that kind of a degree? It's just not, you don't walk out of there and go get, uh, there's not a philosophy job you go get. But it is so fun. So we we researched all kinds of things and and actually do it scientifically. I mean, there's a whole method to this whole thing. But we got to research life after death. Is there anything to this? That's the time when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, Raymond Moody, uh, all the books that kind of familiar, you know, the stages when you're dying, and you, that was all brand new. So it's the whole field, and people are finding out about it. Raymond Moody's writing about near-death experiences, so the whole idea of NDEs is um, being looked into, so they're beginning to research it. And we decided we would do a lot of reading, a lot of research, and interview people, we we brought in all kinds of, we don't have time to go through all the cool stuff. Interviewed and we had microphones everywhere and we're hitting people up with stuff and uh, it was fun. That really is an aside because I just want to tell you about some, a couple of near-death near, near death experiences. That's not even on my notes. Where did that come from? Okay, here's an NDE. Uh, near-death experience. This is Maria's story. So she, she is... Um, and, and this is from some research that Kimberly Clark Sharp does. And, and this is included in the book. So these both of these stories I'm going to tell you are from The Case for Heaven by Lee Strobel. So he's the one who's collected these. But I thought a couple of these would help. So... Maria has uh, had a heart attack. She is unconscious. She's in the hospital, and she drifts through the ceiling. So this is her, and she's unconscious, and body's on the table, but she's drifting through the ceiling of the hospital, and she goes outside of the hospital. So this is when it gets really cool she saw a tennis shoe on a ledge on the third story window of the of the third story so she's you know cruising outside and she describes it so that when she comes comes around later so she survives but she tells the story so she's asked so you know what 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 did you see she goes a man's shoe left-footed Dark blue with a wear mark over the little toe and a shoelace tucked under the heel. Who even notices a shoe like that? But she did. So she's, you know, floating outside of the hospital, sees that. So the nurse who was there is going, hmm, that's... Interesting, but curious enough to go outside or go up to the third floor and look around out there. And sure enough, on that ledge, there's that shoot, exactly as described. Wow, that was impressive. So, uh, this in these studies, Janice Holden, uh, part of this process, studied 93 near-death NDE near-death experience patients who claimed to make multiple verifiable observations while out of their physical bodies. She said a remarkable 92% of the observations were completely accurate. That's 92%, totally correct. Another 6% contained just some error. Only 2% were completely erroneous, which is pretty amazing. Near-death experience. Out of your body, and you're seeing things that are around, and then when you are revived, you have information that you can pass on. So where do eyes, ears, memories, personality, where, where do you store those things? If the brain stops, you're done. There's no more. You have no more memories. You have no, the. it's the spirit the soul, spirit, person, the immaterial part of us, who's the real us, who has all of that. That's where the memories are. If we tap into the the uh, mind, the one that we actually record all these things in, we have 100% memory of everything of every day for our whole existence. Our brain keeps a number of those things and has some short-term activity and we have access to it. So that keeps us going, but it's the spirit soul part that's keeping the big records. And if you're worried about someone with dementia and go, well they they've forgotten me. Well they've forgotten you in the short term. Not not forever. It's just the brain is now blocking access to those memories because that person is still in there. They still And and these near-death experiences, what I want you to realize, they went outside. She's floating. That's pretty cool. So she's flying by the building. She's able to make observations. She's thinking. She's seeing. She knows that she's still an entity outside of the building. She hasn't become one with the universe, which is another philosophy. Not that. Individual person, knows she's an individual person, knows that she's outside of the building, knows that she's on the third floor, is able to tell you exactly where that what that shoe looked like there on that ledge. Remember that. And just spatially, I mean, think about all of the things that just took place in that simple observation. Seeing it, remembering it, completely... Uh, understanding what she saw, not a blob, not just, well, wasn't it weird? There's just a shoe out there. No, she had details. Another NDE, this is Katie, Katie's Story. She's in the ER. She's a 7-year-old who was found floating face down in a swimming pool. She is profoundly comatose with massive brain swelling, no measurable brain activity, she didn't have a heartbeat for nearly 20 minutes. She was hooked up to an artificial lung to keep her breathing. Somehow, she recovered in three days. And she talks to the doctors. I met Jesus and the Heavenly Father. Intrigued, the doctors questioned her you know, to find out more about it. And they thought, well, this is, this is uh, well, pretty much everybody starts off with, this is crazy. And then you start putting the pieces together. She said that she saw them in the in the emergency room and what was going on. And she was able to they had her draw the picture. So she draws a picture of the ER placing all of the equipment and whoever was doing whatever in the right spots. So she knew how to do that. And that's typically not something a 7-year-old girl knows. So she has just given them that much information. Then she said she followed her family home one night because she's got three days to be comatose. And she uh, sees her father reading, so she gives you know, an update on all that, how her brother was pushing a toy soldier in a Jeep. Her mother was cooking roast chicken and rice. She even knew what clothes each family member was wearing that night. And when checked, the doctors checked with the family, and it was all correct. And they go, huh. So that goes into the NDE book. Here's a real experience of someone who's just left their body and then come back to report what is going on. So there's a physical reality that we know, and there's a spiritual reality that momentarily we agree to but sometimes crowd out with all of our other fascinations with this world. And we miss out on the things that God is doing because of that. And so part of what we're going to do with this entering uh, dimensional living is, see, there's more to this. And God is doing more than we can possibly imagine. So there is a... uh, heaven by death. I mean, people have seen the Lord as a result of a near-death experience. They've gone to heaven. There are books out that will explain that, and and YouTube, you can watch some YouTube videos on that, and people will share their story about how they died, uh, near-death experience stories, and then they've come back to share those, and some of them are just like this, and where they're kind of around and they see some things. Sometimes they meet, they meet the Lord or have those experiences. But uh, there, there's just a variety of those. This is uh, heaven by invitation. So Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about this. And he says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I, I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. So he's gone to heaven, and typically in Scripture, the third heaven, and sometimes it'll be the seventh heaven, but it, it will be that's the ultimate heaven. That's where God is. So he has entered into the, the place where God is, the presence of God, and he's observing and hearing some things that are going on. And we're going to talk about how that works here in a minute. But he he was, uh, some think this is when he was in the temple in Jerusalem and this invitation to go to heaven occurs to him. He doesn't give us the details, so it would be great if, Paul had spent a little more time explaining all that was going on with that. But now we can watch YouTubes of other people doing it. But anyway, he he went and went to paradise. So paradise is the word uh, we're familiar with that applies to the Garden of Eden and the book of Genesis. So when the word paradise comes up, it's referring to that garden, that that special place set apart for humans and for uh, this relationship with God. God created the earth, and and then he has this garden, the paradise, and that is where this meeting happens, where human beings, Adam and Eve at that point, are connecting with God, conversations. There are spiritual beings. There are what we call angels, and there's a variety of those divine beings who are interacting. So God's created a place with these plants, with these animals of great variety of everything, but they're also spiritual beings because he created all these beings that are in heaven who have now come to visit and have met with them in paradise. When we go through the book of Genesis, we find out, we lost paradise because of rebelling against god when you get to the book of revelation it's about getting close to god and going back to paradise so it's the brokenness in genesis and you get back in revelation and all that stuff in between that's where we live but the reality of all of this is there's it's a dimensional interdimensional reality spiritual and physical material and immaterial uh, there's time, and then there's timelessness, eternity. We have all of that going on. So Paul is caught up to heaven. Doesn't know if he's in his body or not. It's just how how that worked for him. Um, Revelation uh, chapter four. This is John, the apostle John, and says, "Then as I looked, a door standing open in heaven." So he's on the island of patmos and the lord's already met with him jesus the resurrected jesus has already shown up that's chapter one and then he's supposed to write a bunch of things letters to churches that's what happens in chapters two and three then you get to chapter four and there's this whole uh, there's this invitation so the door is standing open the same voice i had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast the voice said come up here And I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. So he is moved dimensionally, instantaneously, from a place on earth, island. He is now moved into heaven, and he is functioning. Because he's supposed to write some things down so he's he's got a notepad some sort and he is to observe the things that are going on and and the lord's showing him all kinds of things while he's there so that's you read the book of revelation that's that's where these things are happening but instantly he's in the spirit and which means he's not operating in out of his physical body he is he has been trans translated in into the spirit where he can f- see God and see these things that are unfolding and that that's an invitation so i i heard the voice and then come up here and i will show you what must happen so we have near death experiences where people uh, their bodies are in in such desperation to live and they uh, and and possibly just die and sometimes like like comatose people, or they've actually died for a while, because some of these stories are—you know—they were already in the morgue, and then suddenly they come back. So we've got a variety of things going on here. But the Lord doesn't seem to doesn't matter to him. He, he's allowing people to come into the spiritual realm and see what's going on. They can experience it uh, the near-death experience, or they can be invited to experience the spiritual realm as well. So we've got a couple of things going on. So heaven by calling. This is a... Uh, so we've had near-death experience. We've had going to heaven by invitation, and then heaven by calling would be... That's a job description. I mean, it's part of, part of what this person... Uh, God wants to do with this individual... And he has people that he is he is using that he is communicating to and with, and he pulls them into the spiritual realm uh, this other dimension and we have a story this is a whole story that that comes out of first kings chapter twenty two so first kings chapter twenty two seventeen to twenty three is, is, is kind of focuses on this but king a- Ahab is just a horrible king, and he is leading the people away from Yahweh away from the one true God to worship other gods and so he's he's been a problem for a while, and he and the king from the south, so these are the two king of Israel in the north, the ten tribes, king of Judah in the south jehoshaphat, they've come together and they're going to take they're going to war. So they're, they're talking about, should we do it? Should we not do it? Let's get, you know, what does God say? Jehoshaphat wants, well, check with the Lord. And, and of course, the prophets of Baal are the ones that uh, Ahab's going to go to. And Jehoshaphat says, well, that's great that they say that we're going to win this thing, but I'd really like to hear from a prophet of the Lord. So they find Micaiah who doesn't like Ahab, Ahab doesn't like him, and he comes and, and just says, yeah, you're going to win, you're fine, just go. And Ahab says, yeah, tell me that you just, if you're saying that, I know you're lying. So just what, what's the Lord, you know, go ask him. He does. So Micaiah gives this story. So this is, this is he's a prophet, and he is taken to the council room that the Lord is uh, dealing with others. There are uh, divine beings in this council chamber, and they're discussing this situation. What are we going to do about Ahab? And it's time for Ahab to go. So the Lord is taking, he's getting input. Now, you may think he just tells people what to do all the time. That's all he does. He doesn't. He wants to include these divine beings, his family. He wants to include us in the process of making everything work, the universe and and the heavens. And he is including them in this case. And so we get a scene where we can see the council discussing what to do with Ahab. And ideas are tossed about. And we're told ideas are tossed about. Then one of them comes up with, "Well, what if we put lying uh, tongue or lies into the mouths of the prophet?" So he, Ahab, believes it, and then he goes goes into battle and gets killed. And so they, you know, they talk about things, and the Lord says, "Yeah, that's that's a good one. Let's do that." So the the other prophets, the these false prophets, are given this false information because he is not going to survive this. But he believes it, and so he goes. And it's helpful to look at something like that because there's so many. There's a council. God is getting information. He wants input. He wants to know what the desires are of of others. They see that Ahab's time has come as well. So there's a whole interaction thing that's uh, unfolding in all this. It's uh, Micaiah is is seeing that process happened the council council room of God um, which is this is just so cool so that, anyway that's the Micaiah one heaven by calling so he's a prophet he's called he's brought up into that place so in Jeremiah this is another one by uh, heaven by calling Jeremiah is a prophet and he's dealing with the the people of Israel in, in Judah the southern tribes Before the Babylonians come, and he keeps saying, You got to turn back the Lord. You got to turn back the Lord, or this invasion by the Babylonian kingdom is going to happen and this will be destroyed. Man, they don't listen. As pretty much all the time, people just don't listen. So, there are prophets. And they're listening to these other prophets. And some of them say they're prophets of the Lord. There's just a variety of things going on. This is found in Jeremiah twenty three twenty two. Jeremiah, the prophet of the Lord, says, or reporting from the Lord, if they had stood in my counsel, and counsel is what we just talked about from Micaiah, if they stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people. And would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. If they had been in the council, these prophets who are calling themselves prophets, but they're not going, they're they're not, for one, they're not invited into the Lord's council because they aren't listening to him anyway. And uh, Jeremiah 23 goes through all the things they do. These guys have, dreams that they make up, or uh, an, one guy will hear some, one report, and then they, another guy will copy it, and so they copy each other's dreams, and or they report a, the same thing over and over again because somebody else said it, and it got a lot of traction. So if you remember Trump in the last election, there were a whole bunch of these prophets, who said, Trump will win. So they followed each other. It wasn't all of them, but there were prophets. There are prophets around today. But the prophets who were copying each other just kept coming out with, oh, yeah, and then I saw, and this happened, and, huh, because that's not what happened. Some of them came back and said, you know, I got it wrong. Those you might want to listen to again, the other ones, they're just listening to each other, copying each other, trying to get somebody to sign up for their YouTube post, something. Jeremiah 23 says, nope, we're not going to do that. And uh, it's a popular thing. If you ever just wonder, you know, should what should I think of this? And, and there's some you know crazy thing going on because the real ones are happening too. Check. Just go to Jeremiah 23 because it'll give you a list of here's a good one, here's not so much. So check it out. So, this is a um, heaven by calling. So, we've got near death experiences. They tell us something about life after death, or that there's spiritual, that there's another dimension. It's not just the material life that we live, there's something more to this. And those working in these medical fields have seen it, they've investigated it, they keep records of it, stuff like that's happened. We have the scriptures telling us that these things are are out there, they've happened to the prophets, they've, uh, like this, that they're supposed to. Heaven by invitation, heaven by calling. Uh, the joy of heaven, Hebrews 12, 18 to 24 and we looked at 12 not, not that long ago. You've come to the Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the Spirit's. Of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect, you have come to Jesus, the one who meditates, or meditates, mediates the new covenant between God and people.